We have reached the end of Sefer Shemot and the last of the four parashiot. So this week's Vayakel Pikude and Hachodesh. Okay, Vayakel Pikude and Hachodesh. And um, it's always a bit of a challenge, I find, speaking on Vayakel and Pikude. Those of you who worked hard in Truma and Tetzave on Rashi are reaping the benefits in this week's Parsha because in Vayakel there's almost no Rashi at all. Because a lot of the Parsha is, is going over information that we received in the Parshas of Truma and Tetzave. There is, there is a theme here that I want to talk about. It's such a fundamental theme, it's a very important theme to me. It will take us a, a, a while to get there, but, but please God, we'll get there. So the Psukim are in Shemot Perik Lamad Hay. The Akhel Moshe Koladab Bene Sir Bayome Alehem, Ele Hadvarim Ashet Siva Hashem Lasot Ota. Moshe gets everyone together, he, he congregates everyone together. And we're expecting him to speak about the Mishkan and to review all of the issues of the Mishkan. Remember, the, the details of the Mishkan that we heard in Trumat and Saveh were details that God gave Moshe. He hasn't told the people yet. But instead of going straight to the subject of the Mishkan, we hear the following. Sheshet yamin ta'asem melacha uviyom ashri yelachem kodesh Shabbat Shabbaton Lashem Kola Osevo Melacha Yumat. We are told about Shabbos. We've heard about Shabbos already. We heard about Shabbos in Peret Lamad Aleph. We heard about Shabbos in the Ten Commandments. Shabbos has already been mentioned numerous times. And once again, before Moshe comes to talk about the Mishkan, he, saw, he introduces Shabbos. It's the only melacha in all of Torah that is mentioned, mentioned black or white, that we can't use fire on Shabbat. And then he goes into the entire story of the Mishkan and all of the details of the Mishkan. And the question that we are asking ourselves is, what is the relevance of Shabbat to this parsha? Now go to Rashi and see what Rashi says. Sheshet yamim hikdim lahem azharat Shabbat letzivui melechet hamishkan. A warning regarding observation of Shabbat precedes the details of the Mishkan, Loma Shabbat, and that teaches us a fundamental rule which we will expand on that you cannot break Shabbat to build the Mishkan. You cannot break Shabbat to build the Mishkan. Which literally means that once Amisrael started building the Mishkan, comes Shabbos, everyone puts their tools away. And they go back to their tents, and only on Monday Shabbos they carry on. Look at the above now. V'yidaber Hashem el Moshe v'gome achat shev et shabtotai tishmoro ad v'yitena Moshe kechaluto. 
Because God commanded us to build a Mishkan, the Kelav and its vessels, and the purpose of the Mishkan is to show our deep connection with God, and that His divinity would be with the people. A person might have thought that because the building of the Mishkan is such a central, fundamental part of who we are, it would supersede Shabbat. And you'd be allowed to build a, a Mishkan on Shabbat. Because the greatest shleimut, uh, perfection of a person, is through action. Building the Mishkan is action. Shabbat is in action. It's not doing anything. Doing something is much more important now refraining from doing something. And how much more so when you're talking about something as mechubas as building a mishka. So you might have thought that because building something as central and as holy as a mishka is an active, positive act, it should override observation of Shabbat. And because Amisel might have thought that building a Mishkan would override Shabbat, because action is much more reflective of faith than inaction, because doing something is creating something, the hashvita he'edel. And if you refrain, you're shovet, you don't do anything, that's nothing. And, and creating something new is much more important than not doing anything. And seeing as building the Mishkan is also testimony to God and God's existence in the world. And you don't need to refrain from action when building a Mishkan because of the essence of what Mishkan represents. And therefore the Pasuk says, no, you must cease from building the Mishkan on Shabbat. The problem with the Abarbanel, which you will understand fully after Shir when you digest it, is that he doesn't really answer the question, he just describes it. He says, you might have thought that because the Mishkan is such a holy action, and Shabbat really is inaction, that you should build the Mishkan on Shabbat. And so the Pasuk says you shouldn't. But he doesn't explain why. He doesn't explain why. The Hava Amina of the Abba is a very good Hava Amina. 
the suggestion that Mishkan should override Shabbat because Mishkan is productivity in the realms of holiness and Shabbat is holiness by refraining from action, it's a good Havamina. And, 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 and he simply says that the Pasuk Kamash Milan that no, that Shabbat overrides. But he doesn't explain why. Why should Shabbat override? He gave a very good argument why Mishkan should override Shabbat. Because Mishkan is active holiness and Shabbat is uh, static or inactive holiness. It's a great Havamina. And the Abba just says, so we learn from the Pasuk that you don't. But he doesn't say why. What I would like to try and um, share with you in the shiur is a number of ideas as why Shabbat is more important than Mishkan. The first suggestion, which isn't my main suggestion, we'll call it hors d'oeuvres, okay? Chop liver, which is pretty mechubah, chop liver, for you. Chop liver is, pre is pretty mechubah, okay? For me, it's like the main part, okay? So, without insulting Rav Hirsch, it will be our entree. But then I will bring you a magnificent main course that will fill you up for your whole trip to Elat and back. You won't need to pack any food at all. But let's go to the entree. Okay? Now, we have to be a bit patient with Rav Hirsch. Remember, Rav Hirsch wrote what he wrote in German. Now, your German and my German is not up to scratch, so I didn't bring the German original, I don't own it, but as a result of the way that he... Rav Hirsch was really a speaker. He wasn't so much a writer, he wrote a lot, but he was a brilliant orator. Now, generally, people have a, 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 an ability in one of the two. People can either speak or they can write. And uh, a speaker who wants his stuff written needs a very good editor. Rav Hirsch comes over, I don't know this for a fact, but he comes over as a brilliant orator. Maybe he was a good writer as well. But the fact is that his works, when translated into English or Hebrew, do not flow. They're not easy to read. And sometimes you feel that this was a, uh, it was a speech that he was given. He did write, he wrote for a number of journals that he himself was in charge of. But this particular piece, I remember Diane Grunfeld wrote a, a translation of Choref, which is Rabbi Hirsch's main piece. It's a brilliant piece. And he, he, he wrote a whole introduction to Shabbos, Diane Grunfeld. The introduction is such an impressive introduction that they made a book of the introduction. And here Rav Hirsch talks about his idea of Shabbos. And when we understand his idea of Shabbos, you'll understand why Shabbos overrides Mishkan. It's more than that, ladies, okay? Because those of you who've learned Hilchot Shabbat know that the Lama Tet Melachot are based on the actions of building a Mishkan. It's not just that Shabbat overrides Mishkan, it's that the Yisurim of Shabbat are derived from Mishkan. We have two major forces here, and Shabbat easily overrides, and we're trying to understand why. So you have to join me, Rav Hirsch, with a, a, a abyssal patience, okay? We can all be doctors for a while, and we'll have a bit of patience. <laughs> 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 
I did tell you at the beginning of the year that you would eventually laugh. Never. Binyatalishkan. You have to follow me inside here because I'm pretty sure that none of you know this Rav Hershoff by heart. Binyat mishkan building the Mishkan, he ha'itgar ha'gadol biyoter, is the biggest challenge l'koshe asiyato shel ha'adam betchum t'vunat ha'kapayim. In testing man's ability of what he can craft together with his hands. And if you don't want to uh, speak about it in relation to the actual skills, certainly the vision of what was, we were trying to create with a Mishkan, which is almost the impossible. A house for God, man is going to build a house for God. Man's overwhelming ruling of the world, which is expressed and reflected by what we create, how we take materials, raw materials, and we create whatever we create. When we come to the building of the Mikdash, it comes to its yihud, it comes to its climax. Man subordinates the world to himself in order to then subordinate himself to God. He takes everything from the world, controls it, and then him, together with everything that he has made, becomes subordinate to God. And in order to transition what he is creating to a place where God will dwell, to a temple in which the Almighty God will dwell in, so what does the Mikdash represent? The sanctification of man's creation. Taking everything that man can do, create, our best talents, and building something for God. And therefore when building a Mishkan, Man is using all of his talents, all of his gifts, all of his skills to build a place for the Almighty. And those same creative skills are also the definitions of a malacha on Shabbat. How so? How does Mishkan and Shabbat come together? Now this is a yesod. If you understand this, ladies, you will understand Hilchot Shabbat. It's a fundamental yesod in Hilchot Shabbat. A question is always asked. We can have 3,000 chairs in this room. 
and I can ask you on Shabbat to move 3,000 chairs from here to Ariel. And you will be excited to do this and enthusiastic to do this. And each girl will take a hundred chairs going backwards and forwards in the heat of May. And you will be absolutely exhausted, nauseated from this work two hours later. And you will have to rest and shut eye. But you would not have done a single malacha by slapping these chairs backwards and forwards for three hours. You would have worked hard, you would be exhausted, you would feel faint and dizzy and need to lie down. Uh. <laughs> but you wouldn't have done a malacha. You wouldn't have done a malacha. On the other hand, you can walk into the room and switch the light on, and that's an Isur Torah. How so? How so? A Yesod, ladies. Kol Asiyah Yatsramit. Any action that is, in essence, creative. Shemelechet HaMishkan Kakala, The kind of creation that the Mishkan required becomes an Av Melacha, becomes Asur on Shabbat. Right? Shabbat overrides Mishkan. L'suk shel Yatsramit HaMakif Harbet Toldot and you have Avot and Toladot. Next paragraph. Geder HaMelacha HaAsura BeShabbat. The prototype definition of a Melacha that is Asur on Shabbat, Min HaTorah, okay, we're not getting involved in Gezerot Midrabanan, comes from the Pasuk, Kor HaOseh Bo Melacha Yumat, SheKadmu Lo HaMilim HaDvarim HaSheh Siva HaShem LaAsot Otam HaVeOmer, Hadvarim, these things, hapulot, hanasot Things that are done with intention to create, they are asur on Shabbat. So a melacha on Shabbat is by definition a creation. It is something that the Creator, me, you, intended to create with our minds, with our human super minds. So, for example, if I break something on Shabbat, it's not a malacha. If I rip something to pieces or tear something, it's not a melacha min ha-Torah. Mekalkelim paturin, right? If I, if I ruin something, I'm patur. Patur abalasu, drabana, but not min ha-Torah. V'rakim ha-Pura, rasit bekamanat chila. Only if I break something in order to fix it, with intent to build something, to create something, then it's asur. And if I do something without intention, davar she'eno mitkavein, Meaning, I do something without having the intent to do it. It's also not a melacha. Because I'm not using my mind. My mind wasn't involved. I had no intention. And also, Meaning, if I dig a hole, not in order to dig a hole, but to have the mud from the hole, it's also not a melacha. 
Because the result of my creativity, the whole, isn't what I wanted. I wanted the pile of mud next to it. The, the creative intention is not in my action. And therefore it's not a melach. See where he's going now. The essence of a malacha, ladies, is the human mind creating. What does Shabbat come and say? The human being is the greatest creation on earth. It can make aeroplanes. It can make facsimile machines, WhatsApp, Twitty, Instagram, Temple Plump. It can make lots of different things. It can find a vaccine for Corona. No one can do that. Only man. When man creates in the Mishkan, it's the climatic statement of man's kingship of this world. And then God comes and says, Shabbat overrides that. Man the creator. The whole world is subordinate to man. And then God comes on Shabbat and says, man is subordinate to me. The inaction, the refraining from creativity on Shabbat is the coronation of God as king to the world. The Mishkan represents man's ability to take a physical world and make it subordinately holy to him. Shabbat represents God taking man and making man subordinate to him. And it is so true. And you feel it so much. You can be in the middle of an important WhatsApp, especially if you, you have parents in America, right? Comes Shabbos, you've got a 36-hour period where you're, you're incognito, you cannot speak. Because you're bringing Shabbat in 7 hours or 10 hours before them, and they're taking Shabbat out 10 hours after you, or 7 hours after you. It's a day and a half where you cannot be in touch with each other where you cannot use the equipment because the Torah says stop. The world is subordinate to you, but you are subordinate to me. And therefore, even though the, the Amina of the above Benel is correct, that the Mikdash represents man's creativity, Shabbat is more important, because in man's creativity he shows that he is king of the world, and on Shabbat he shows that God is his king. Man may be king of the world, but God is king of man, and de facto king of the world. And that is why Shabbat is Doche Mishka. That's not a bad entry, I think. Now let me open the oven and bring you the main course. Can you smell it? I'm going to bring you two sources, because I believe in the Rambam's ethos, that you have to say the truth from whoever said it. There was a rabbi who was a very special man. 
but he is affiliated to conservative Judaism. I'm sure you've heard of Rabbi Heschel. I'm sure some of you have heard of Rabbi Heschel. Yes? Yes. We won't talk about theology, but as a, a, a scholar, he was a scholar of the highest degree. Born and bred in Warsaw and directly related to the Aftarad, and that's his name, Abraham Yoshua Heschel. I will bring you a very orthodox rabbi who says exactly the same in case people question the authenticity of my source. What he is going to say now is mind-blowing. I worry whether even to share it with you because you might not be able to enjoy Elad because you're just thinking about this all the time. You'll be going up mountains and thinking, my God, that Heshe, oh my word, I can't. You'll just stop in the middle of the tour. you say, I, I can't. I, I, have to, I have to read the Heshe. It's just going to... So also, be close to your tables in case you lose your balance. We are back to the question of why, and you can hold in your emotion, I know, I, I know you don't want to show it to me, your excitement, your anticipation, anticipation. We're trying to understand why Shabbat is more important than Mishkan. You understood what Rav Hirsch said? Okay, that's about the most crowd participation I will require this evening. <laughs> So it's over now. You can relax, Liat. <laughs> we don't say Tashman during shit. Okay. <laughs> Look at Heshel. I always say that to my daughters. Whenever my daughters in the middle of the meal they go like this, I say we don't say Tashman during My rabbi used to say that. It comes from the rabbi's book of jokes and father's book of jokes. Have a look at Heshel, ladies. This is a treat. This is a treat. You ready, Millie? Millie, you ready? You ready? Flussy, you ready for Heschel? Okay. Wow, it's exciting. You notice that I went very slowly in the Barbanel, even though I was excited to get to the Heschel. I didn't eat my entree quickly, even though I wanted to get to the main meal. But we are there. We have reached the stage. Be patient with the pieces, okay? Our technical civilization is about conquering the earth. Lishlot bichlau, to rule over. And as an individual, to acquire as many parts of this world for myself as I can. To create many, many things that will fill the world. To increase my strength, my ability to rule. And in our chase against time, we're in this race to acquire, to succeed, to aspire, to be. Hamilak Hadosh, the word holiness, 
אחד מהמושגים החשובים ביותר בתורה is probably one of the most important words in all of the Torah. המייסקים את סודו והודו של אלוהים. It represents, reflects the, the most important part of God, Kadosh, whatever it means, Kadosh, holiness. מופיעה לראשונה בסוף מעשה בראשית. Where does the word Kadosh first occur in the Torah? At the beginning of Bereshit. In what context? It's not talking about a holy mountain. He's not talking about a holy altar over the page. It's not talking about any singular thing that was created. Nothing in the story of creation is defined as being a holy place. What is holy? Time. Time is holy. The first time holiness is mentioned in the Torah is in the context of time. A day is holy. This is totally distant from well-known mythology. Because in all of those different texts, it would always end with Kviat Makom Kadosh, with a holy place. It could be a mountain, it could be a fountain, it could be a tree, it could be a valley. But the Torah doesn't talk about a holy place. It says that time is holy. Shabbat signifies the holiness of time. When God created the world in its idyllic form, the only holiness present is the holiness of time. The holiness of the day. After a long time. Before the Torah was given to the chosen people. Then a people was told to be holy. Time came first. Then the people were told to be holy. And only once, according to Rashi, of course, this is. Not the Rambam. But after this people failed at Chet HaEgel, and they committed idolatry of a kind when they built an Egel. Only then, only then, in response to their sin, so that they would not deteriorate into areas that we don't want to go to, they were given a holy place. First time was holy. Then the people were holy. Then there was holiness of a place. 
והוסמו פה כלים למען יוכלו לעבוד את השם בטהרה. Ladies, what is he saying? Why is Shabbat Doche Mishkan? Because the holiness of time is far more important than the holiness of a place. This is genius. And it's a hundred percent true. If only we understood what he was saying. So go and see Rav Sorotskin. Morna says the same thing. In the Osnayim of the Torah, Kor ha-parashah medaberet mibinyan ha-mishkan. This entire parasha is talking about building a mishkan. Ve-lama hikdim kan lahazhir al-shabbat? So why is Shabbat mentioned juxtaposed to mishkan? Ve-nir ali, it appears to me, says Rabbi Sorotskin, Based on what I've said in a different place, Shabbat and Mishkan have similar objectives. To sanctify the Jewish people, to bring them close to our Father who is in heaven, with an enormous amount of divinity, holiness, and purity. Ella, however, there is a distinct difference. There is a distinct difference between Shabbat and Mishkan. HaShabbat hi Kedushat Hazman. Shabbat is about the holiness of time. Shepo anu shochachim olam umlo'o v'osgim b'torah mitzvot. What we're meant to do on Shabbat is forget the world. Forget it. To immerse ourselves in Torah and mitzvot. Immerse ourselves in the holiness of the day, the holiness of the time. And in stark contrast, Mikdash and Mishkan about the holiness of a particular place. Whose soul has been damaged, Ba'el Hakodesh Umakadsha Umatahara comes to the holy place, is sanctified and purified. The Gimel Pamin B'Shalom Mechuyav Kol Sechurcha Lirotet Pnei Hashem. Three times a year, every person has to come to the Mikdash, B'Makom Kadosh to the holy place. Kedushat Hazman, but don't forget. The holiness of time supersedes the holiness of a place. When God comes to command the Jewish people to build a holy place, there might have been a hava amina, you might have thought, you don't need holy times anymore. Because you can go to the holy place. So you don't need holiness of time. And that is what these psukim are about. This is so important. 
שקדושת המקום באה רק בתור השפה. The holiness of a place is a הוספה, is only an addition to the holiness of time. אבל לא לבטל חס ושלום לקדושת השבת. Let me elaborate for you, ladies, if you're not understanding why this is so important. I want to tell you two things about the holiness of time. And not just the sanctity of time, but the importance of time. A number of years ago, I was friendly with someone, he was a man, he was a lot younger than myself, five or six years younger than myself, and he uh, got cancer. We used to dump in his house on Friday night while he was ill, and at some stage, a group of people that dumped with him every Friday night, we, uh, we had this idea, which he was very interested in, to go to the Ukraine together, as a Chabura, it's one of the few times I've been with men and not, and not with the school. And to go to Uman and then go to Mezikush, to the Baal Shem Tov, and to pray together because he was very, very sick. And we went, Jeremy was there as well, I think Jeremy organized it. We, we went and we went to Rabbi Nachman and then we went to the Baal Shem Tov. This man was a Yekla, he wasn't a Chassid at all, a total Lithuanian Yekla, nothing to do with Poland. And, uh, but we had a very, very uplifting time. All his brothers came, he comes from a big family. It, it was the most wonderful trip. And then everyone came back and we carried on with the minion and so on and so forth. About seven or eight months later, I forget exactly when it was, might have been even a year later, uh, the Chabura got together again and we went to, um, we went to Meiron for Shabbat. To Rav Shimon Bar Yochai for a Shabbat. Just men, right? There were no women at these things, it was just the men. We went to, uh, not because women aren't important, just because he wanted just the, the Hebrew to be with him. And uh, we went to Meiron together. I think Effie came to Meiron as well. And uh, I wasn't really on the ball. I wasn't paying attention. And as the Shabbat progressed, I understood that the purpose of the Shabbat was essentially to say goodbye. He was dying. I didn't really understand it. The Shabbat just went on. We had learning, a kicker. It's a great Shabbat. And we came to Sudar Shishir and we're sitting around a table, and he's at the top of the table. And we're going around in a circle, and, and I'm at the end. So I had time to cotton on to what was going on. And I understood that everyone around there was saying goodbye. I'm saying goodbye. He died a few months later. And one of the people who is a doctor of history, uh, his name is uh, Asael, he, he said something that, that blew, my, blew me away. Totally, but it's hard to blow me away. It really is, it's hard. I, I hardly ever listen, and then it much blew me away. And he said the following. He said, you know, sometimes when you look at a river, and a river is flowing, you see bubbles, right? You see bubbles in the river. You know what I'm talking about? You know, Bubbles, oxygen bubbles in the river. And after about 10 seconds, the bubbles burst. And this is what he said. He said, for the last few years, my bubble has been traveling next to your bubble. And it has been an incredible honor for my bubble to be with your bubble. That's all he said. 
So you're thinking, why did that blow you away? Because I suddenly realized that my entire life is just a bubble in a river for 10 seconds. That's what it is. That's what it is. 70, 80 years if we're lucky. It's just a bubble in a river that no one remembers, no one. And then I connected it with another story. You know, when we go to Poland, still a chance. When we go to Poland, we go to one of my favorite places is the Warsaw Cemetery. I love it. There's just so much that I could spend months in the Warsaw Cemetery. It's, it's 700,000, but it's just it's an incredible place. All of, all of Polish history, is, Jewish history is there. And as you go into the Warsaw Ghetto, after you pass that, that first piece, which is part of the, the Shoah, and you go inside, and you start to see the older graves. So there's a, a massive, a massive uh, stone there for the Chemdat Shlomo. And we, we do it together, myself and Jeremy. Jeremy always speaks about the Chemdat Shlomo, and he knows what I'm going to say. I don't know what he's going to say. So I'm at the back, saying to Hillen, as, as I like to do, and I'm saying to Hillen, and I'm next to a stone, and Jeremy's over there with a the group, and I'm two, three meters back next to a stone. This is the first time. And I turn my head to the stone, and I'm standing next to the Sfat Emmet's brother. Tens of thousands of people go to that cemetery every year. No one even knows that he's there. I bumped into him by accident. He's not part of the Maslouf. Unless you're a Hasid Ghul, then of course it would be. We are of so little consequence, ladies. We are of no consequence. And life is so short. And when this hit me, and I suppose what drove me to speak about this, I don't know how many of you saw it, and I, very kind comments you made, I, I don't know why I sent it to you at all, um, but um, we had this, it was my mum's York site on Thursday night, and my nephew in, in London put together this collection of photos to that, to that song, um, Spanish Eyes, which was my mother and father's song. And... Um, there are pictures there, I mean, if you learn it, there are pictures there. Number one, you can see pictures of me as a little boy, if you look carefully. Um, you wouldn't recognize me because I didn't have a beard and there, hair there, dimples, and little boy. And you see my mum as a young lady, as a bride, uh, as, as a mother. And then you see her as a sick lady. And I, I've watched this countless times, this uh, as her son. And I found myself getting frustrated that the song kept finishing too quick. That you can summarize 78 years in two minutes. Mamish. That's the holiness of time, ladies. I know it sounds ridiculous to you because you, there's no way you can relate to what I'm about to say, but I'm telling you it's true. I am embryonically immature. 
It's a fact. Everyone knows. If I was to try to do what an 18-year-old boy do, does, <laughs> I would probably need physiotherapy. However, in my mind, I'm an 18-year-old boy. I don't feel any different. I don't feel my age. And ladies, I have no idea where the last 35 years went. They just went. I have no idea. And when you're younger, right, when you're 12, you want to be 14. And when you're 14, you want to be 16, because then sweet 16. When you're 16, you want to be 18, because if I'm 18, I'm a real adult. Then you want to be 21, because you get the key to something, God knows what. And then you want to be a mother and have a little baby, and then, and then two babies, and then three babies, and then you're 30, and then you're 40, and then you're 50. And how did I get there? How did I get there? I don't think I've been wasting my time. But I've lived most of my life. And I don't know how it happened. And I'm looking at pictures of my mum and saying, well, I remember like that was yesterday. It's all nostalgia. That's all you've got to... We don't want to remember the last year because it was horrible. So all the other years were great. It just goes at the holiness of time. I was once in the Beit Midrash. I saw a girl the old days when parents used to come and visit. And I saw a girl crossing days off on a calendar. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm crossing the days off until my parents come. And I said to her, never cross days off. Never days off. They will come, but they will go as quickly as they came because time just passes. Every day is a day. It's a day. Time. The holiness of time. It overrides everything. The holiness of time. The appreciation of life and what you have. Why do you have it? It's of supreme importance. It overrides, it overrides Mikdash, ladies. It overrides Mikdash. The sanctity of time. It is so critical that we understand this. There was a man in Beit Shemesh. I'm talking about a long time ago when you'll immediately understand this. When they first started working on computers, I don't know whether you remember this or your parents would remember this, when they turned on a computer, they used to have to wait 15 minutes for it to warm up, for the screen to come on, for everything, all the things to come on. Now it happens in two. Now you don't turn it off, Bikla. Right? It just sleeps and then you wake it up or whatever. But you used to have to turn the computer off. You had to turn on it. There was a man in Beit Shemesh, someone Rabbi Shames knew, who every, he had a Gemara by his computer at work. Every day he came, he pressed the button on the computer and learned for 10 minutes while the computer was warming up. And 15 years later, he did a Siyum Shas, appreciation of time. Every time you say, oh, just five minutes, I'll just wait. You can read ten chapters into Hillel, you can read three Mishnayot. What you can do with time, what you can do in 60 seconds, the sanctity of time. The sanctity of time. Killing time is the most severe form of murder. Killing time. Wasting time. Nothing 
supersedes the sanctity of time. Shabbat overrides the Mikdash. This is magnificent. So let's go to the Shla and see what the Shla says. V'imzor perashti yirat Hashem tosif yamin this is a pasuk in Mishle, and the pasuk, the pasuk says that fearing God adds days, and the years of a wicked person are shorter. <laughs> what an extraordinary sentence, says the Shlach Kadosh. We see very often that the wicked person lives a long time, and Dafka the Tzaddik dies young. Ol Kasher, what is even more difficult here, Lama Hizkib at Tzaddik Yamim, why does it say in the context of a righteous person days, and in the context of a wicked person years? And the Shla says as follows, Ha'inyan Tzaddikim Nikra'im Chayim, righteous people are always alive, Rishaim, wicked people, even when they're alive, they are dead. Ha'inyan. Now listen to it. It's a Shah Kadosh. This isn't a vault. Okay, this comes from Kabbalic sources. It's a, it's a Shah Kadosh. If you do a good action on any given day, at any given moment, that day becomes eternal. You did something positive, good, constructive in a day, that day will live forever. Because you chose to do good, and you by doing that acquired life. And in contrast, if you did a negative action, and even if you didn't do bad, you just didn't do good, you are dead. You have not acquired life. Acquiring life, says the Shla, is by using your time to do good. Wicked people, their lives are futile. They're wasted. And they could be years, they can pass before they do good. Doing good isn't watching the super plate. Doing good isn't watching the NBA. That's not doing good, that's not doing bad, it's not doing anything, it's just watching the super plate. So if you spend your years not doing anything, you're dead. You're not doing anything. You were created for a purpose. You're wasting your time. You may as well not exist. You're dead. You're not doing anything. What can you say at the end of the day? I got the high score in Temple Cup? That's what you can say? That's your achievement? Yesterday I got 4,000 points, and today I got 5,000 points in Temple Cup? I got to the fifth round. I didn't fall in the water with the gorilla? That's, that's, your, that's why you were created? Ribbona Shalolam! That is why someone is created. <coughs> the righteous person is the opposite. Every minute they're doing something. Every time you do something. I'm not just talking about learning. Helping people. 
doing the stuff you do, being good, then you are alive. Your, your time is alive. So at Sadiq all the time that he's alive, he's alive, he's really alive. He's doing good stuff all the day, and every time he could, the day lives forever. You go and knock at neighbors' doors on Purim, that day lives forever, not because of the soda, and not because of your costume, but because you knocked at someone's door and you said thank you. That lives forever. And it doesn't matter if you were the prettiest bee in the, in the hive. What lives forever isn't your costume. Or your dancing, for that matter. What lives together is you gave someone a rose in appreciation of putting up with you. An act of giving. And I've had neighbours come up to me from here totally blown away by it. How, how a little act takes no time at all, lives forever. And that's what Yirat Hashem Tosif Yamin, every day that a person does a good act, it lives forever, every day. And the Rasha can live for years and, and he's dead. He's done nothing. He's watching football, he's listening to music, he can tell you all the words to Bohemian Rhapsody, dead. Mama, I killed a man who'd you kill yourself? <laughs> yourself! Because your brain is full of shtuyot. The gun against his head is just wasting time. Aval who's He's an old Rasha. But he's been dead for years. And that's the pshat in the Pasuk, the Avraham Zaken Babiyamim. When Avraham was old, he came with his days. All of his days. Because he never wasted a moment. All of his days. He came in his old age with everything. All of his days. The days of David, the days of Yaakov, came with him. Because every single day was eternal life. Because they did something with their lives. And that's why Tamid Chacham is called a Zakein, even if he's young. Because he, he's dealing with eternity all the time. Because every single day is in eternity. So when the Yaakov Avinu stands in front of Paro and he says, I lived 130 years and they were, they were short and bad. It's a strange sentence. What do you mean you, a short life of 130 years? That's quite a long life. He thought he was going to live a thousand years? He was just humbly presenting himself. I fear that those 130 years weren't good enough. They were short because I didn't do enough good deeds. We know otherwise, but he was speaking as a humble man. And then we come to Masila uh, Shine. We haven't done this yet. We'll do it after Pesach, please go. 
You see, it's one, one of the Masidei has resumed. The things that stop us from being zealous, what are they? Isn't this appropriate, ladies, to speak at the end of a term? You've used every minute so well. But here comes the test. What are you going to do in the break? You're going to keep learning. You don't learn because Rabbi's around. You don't learn because I'm around, because Rabbi James is looking at his clock. You learn because it's value. What are you going to do with your time now? now three weeks, what are you going to do? We can have conference calls at 4 if you want, 4.30. 4, 4.45, let you lay in a bit. Go through Parsha together, we can Zoom together. 4.45, Chabura, Dafyon, we can do. 5.30, we'll go to Chumash. What are you going to do? It's no less important. No less part of your year. It's called Bain Hazman in between the times. That's a very negative connotation. It means that you're not going to do anything. The Zmanim are the terms, right? And Bain Hazman is when you don't do anything. It's like Tohu Vadohu, do what you want. That's not true. You need to rest up. You deserve to rest up. You need to use your time well. Because we don't have so much time. Don't be fooled by your youth to think that just because you're young, you have a lot of time. Time just flies. Our biggest enemy is that we always want to rest. We don't want to put effort into things. We need the most luxurious conditions. You won't be able to serve God. We have an amount of time on this world. None of us knows how much time we have. None of us. We hope that we have 80 plus years to, to do our stuff. But we don't know. We don't know. And that means every minute is treasure. And you, you're allowed to have a time out and rest on, but only in order to do more, to achieve, to aspire, to, to build that mission we spoke about a few weeks ago. But never forget, the holiness of time is the holiest thing of all. Don't let people waste your time. More importantly, don't waste your own time. Have a look at this final piece, which is also the heading of this shir. It is a little poem that you find in many shuls in Poland on the top of a tzedakah box. And it was written by Rabbi Shlomo Ibn Gavirol. It's a very, very early poem. Avram Fried actually made a song of it about 30 years ago. Listen to this, this striking words. Adam do'eg alibud damav. A person is worried about losing money. The eno do'eg alibud yamav. And he's not worried about losing time. Damav enam ozrim. The money doesn't help. Yamav enam chozrim. And the time never comes back. Voila. The whole ship. Adam do'eg al damav ve'eno do'eg al yamav. You're worried about your money, not your time. 
דמיו אינם עוזרים וימיו אינם חוזרים. Your money doesn't help and the time never comes back. How I wish I could turn the clocks back. How I wish. I'd be a little boy around, around the Seder table with my mum and dad and try and make the Seder long by singing songs long and asking questions when everyone wants to go to bed, eating my mum's food, going on a holiday with my parents, all those fantastic things. Somewhere, somewhere over the rainbow, a long way away. We have the times now, right? The past is behind, the future is in front of us, the present is right now. His final words, The most important asset any one of us in this room has is surprisingly not the iPhone 15 XPZL. Oh, you haven't got that one? Who has man? It is time. Rega'av ha-bodedim shel azman, those little moments of time, b'itztafam yachad, when you put them together, mahavim et etzim chayav shel adam, that's our life. You put all those minutes together, it makes up our life. Lamot ha-otza yaka ha-erech shadam itzav b'fitcho, and even though we are standing in front of this incredible treasure, and my life, my life is my treasure. לעיתים קרובות האדם אינו חש כלל שלא סלעי doesn't realize. We don't realize what we have in front of us. We don't realize the, the treasure that we have in front of us. This time next year, even those who've done Shalabet might be back in university and you'll be in the middle of that paper, in the middle of Ichves, the snow of Binghamton, the snow of New York, of Toronto, of Montreal. And you will remember that now you're in Jerusalem. And you might perchance ask yourself, why didn't I realize where I was? When you can go to the court at any minute, why didn't I realize? We, we sit in front of treasure, <coughs> opportunity, time. Now, I'm not talking to a group of girls that is not successful and hasn't had a very, very excellent horror month, but it's still relevant. It's still relevant. So, we're not using our time well enough. And sometimes it is totally wasted. There are people who understand the value of time and the, the sanctity of time overrides everything. He said, Avraham Avinu, it says, Avraham Zakein Babi Amin. Mevarim shekavanat ha-pasuku she-Avraham bala beit-din shel-mala kol yamav. He came with all his days. He stood in heaven. He could talk about those days when he was 15, when he was 18, when he was 20. All the time he was doing something, he came like the Shlach said, every day was an eternity, he went to Shamayim. Every moment of his life had meaning. Every minute was saved to the top degree. 
ימיו לא עבדו, he didn't waste any time, אלא הצטרפו לאוצר הגדול של עגל כל ימיו. That bubble that went down a river for 10 seconds was a huge bubble. I think, ladies, I would humbly suggest that this answer of Rabbi Heschel, the Osnayim of the Torah, is, is the definitive formula that the holiness of time overrides everything. The holiness of Shabbat, the holiness of time, overrides the holiness of Makom, of Mikdash. So it's something to, to contemplate and, and take with us into, uh, into Pesach vacation. Okay.